This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Art Curious, Stories of the Unexpected, Slightly Odd, and Strangely Wonderful in Art History is a brand new book with lots of weird and wildly entertaining stories that haven't been covered on this podcast. Stories like the rise of everybody's favorite painter of the pretty, Claude Monet, and how all those water lilies and haystacks were actually subversive badassery. How some late 19th and early 20th century women may possibly be the first abstract artists. And what do toenail clippings and a chunk of Caroline Kennedy's birthday cake have to do with one of Andy Warhol's most enduring legacies? Art Curious, the book, at our website, artcuriousbook.com. That's artcuriousbook.com. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored by AnchorLight. For more information about all of AnchorLight's artistic and creative endeavors, please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. Hi there, Art Curious listener. Jennifer here, and we are on a little bit of a break between seasons. We just finished up season eight in January, and we will be airing new episodes of Art Curious with season nine beginning later this spring. So until then, this month and next, we are going to be airing just a couple of episodes, the Curious Callback episodes, as we call them, so you can listen in to some older works from our archives beginning today. I hope you enjoy them, and as always, stay curious and stay subscribed. We'll be back to you very soon. I've mentioned a few times before on this podcast that I sometimes like the weird and funky side of things, and that really holds true for me when it comes to art history. I mean, come on. There's a reason I call this show Art Curious and not something else like Art Beautiful or whatever. And that was the whole inspiration for these past two seasons to look at works of art that are strange or shocking or terrifying. But I've got to admit that this fascination for me really only holds true in a format like painting or sculpture. Because if you're showing me something in real life, like a photo of something disastrous or a video of a medical procedure, most of the time, I'm out. It's not for me. I'm not totally squeamish. It's just not my thing. But if you put it on canvas, I want to know more, more, more. That's odd, right? Some people think that visual art is dry, boring, lifeless. But the stories behind those paintings, sculptures, drawings, and photographs are weirder, crazier, or more fun than you can imagine. Today, by popular demand, we are continuing our season five exploration of shock art, where we will be dissecting single works of art that shook their contemporary worlds, covering another painting that caused waves. In this episode, it's time for the wonders of the 19th century American medicine and the Victorian world that wasn't ready for it. We're talking Thomas Aiken's The Gross Clinic. This is the Art Curious Podcast, exploring the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history. I'm Jennifer Dassel. Thomas Aikens was Philadelphia-born and Philly-proud, and as a former resident of Pennsylvania myself, 
I gotta say, represent. He was born in the city of brotherly love in 1844 and spent most of his formative years learning from the city's prestigious artists and art schools, studying for four years at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, the very first art school in the U.S., founded less than 30 years after the American Revolution. As the center of the small but growing art scene in the new country, Philadelphia was it for any American looking to become a true artist. And young Aikens excelled there, attending as many exhibitions and collections as possible while honing his craft. He even took anatomy courses and attended lectures at the Jefferson Medical College nearby, something which, as we're about to see, not only influenced him in terms of being able to render the human figure in great precision, but also would become an important subject for him. Just because Aikens was in the best city in America for studying art at that time didn't mean that it had everything he needed. And so, like many before and after, he really went for it, and he moved to the city most connected to art in the 19th century, Paris. He lived in Paris for a number of years, studying with the famed Orientalist painter Jean-Léon Jérôme at the École de Beaux-Arts continually improving his technical skill and falling deeply in love with realist modes of art making. The post-revolutionary art movement that rejected overblown emotions and subject matter of the romantics who came before, and opted instead to paint scenes of everyday life without sentimentality or too much drama. When Aikens returned home to Pennsylvania at the age of 26, he brought this fascination home with him. He worked consistently, portraying whatever he pleased. Sure, he did the rare commission for a wealthy collector or two, but he mostly completed images of family or friends, and also athletes or those engaging in outdoor activities, which he himself loved. Hunting, fishing, boating, rowing, swimming, and many of these works are part of Aikens' legacy, a big part of what Aikens is remembered for today. Aikens wasn't terribly crazy about doing things that he didn't want to do. But even so, his excitement for one particular project stands out clearly. As H. Barbara Weinberg, curator emerita of American paintings and sculpture at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York once wrote, quote, In late March 1875, the artist wrote to a friend, saying, I feel to myself that I am going to soon do work so much better than anything I have made yet. It seems likely that the project sparking Aiken's enthusiasm was the canvas that occupied him for almost a year, the Gross Clinic, unquote. Set in a dimly lit amphitheater, Thomas Aiken's The Gross Clinic depicts the titular doctor, Samuel D. Gross, lecturing a student audience while leading a surgical operation. Silver-haired, stern-faced, and dressed in a three-piece suit, Dr. Gross easily commands the attention of the viewer as he casually rests his hands on the operating table and loosely holds a bloodied scalpel in the other. Surrounding him are his surgical assistants, who attend to the incision made on the patient's left thigh as the doctor lectures to the crowd and most of them can be identified. There's Dr. Joseph Hearn, an anesthesiologist, sitting at the far end of the table, who covers the patient's head with anesthesia-soaked gauze. Going clockwise from Dr. Hearn is Dr. James Barton, probing the incision with a wooden stick-like instrument. Next in the bottom right of the painting is a younger surgeon, Dr. Daniel Apple, holding a metal retractor that separates one side of the incision from the other. To Dr. Apple's left is Dr. Charles Briggs, whose hands grip the patient calves in order to keep them in place during the surgery. Another assistant, this one not identified, is sitting behind Dr. Gross, holding an additional retractor. A scribe identified as Dr. Franklin West sits behind them on a pedestal, recording the surgical process as well as Dr. Gross's words. 
Akins himself, can be seen to the viewer's far right, sitting in the audience and presumably sketching his observations. As if the words incision and retractor aren't making it obvious, we should note that the scene represented here in the Gross Clinic is rather explicit. Akins has given the viewer full visual access to the scene, and that includes the gory details of the surgery taking place. Bloody instruments, bloody hands, a gaping wound. It's not like a horror film by any circumstance, but to those who might be squeamish, it's clear that the title of this painting could very well serve a double meaning. But for most of the individuals presented in the scene, it's no big deal. Perhaps just another day at med school under the tutelage of Dr. Gross. But while the students look down at the operation with relaxed, perhaps even bored, expressions, there is one figure sitting closer to the foreground who cannot bear to watch. Shielded by the figure's left arm, this person's face is turned away, clearly repulsed or terrified by the scene. Or both. Art historians have often identified this figure as the patient's mother, a woman decked in black and obviously not doing very well under the circumstances. We'll come back to this lady a bit later. But for now, let's move on. The story of how the Gross Clinic came about is an interesting one. The work was created with a single event in mind, the 1876 Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia, formerly called the International Exhibition of Arts, Manufactures, and Products of the Soil and Mine, and less formally called the Centennial. This fair aimed to showcase the economic and technological progress that had been made in America since the Civil War, while also celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. It was the first of many so-called World's Fairs that was held on American soil, and it sought to prove that the accomplishments and advancements made in the United States were on par with those made in Europe at the time. Throughout the fair's long duration, over 9 million visitors would end up visiting to demonstrate their patriotism and to celebrate a post-Civil War nation. And though Thomas Aikens obviously could not know the extent of the popularity of the centennial, he and the organizers and the general public alike knew that it was a big deal and Aikens wanted to get in on that action. And he had what he thought would be the perfect addition to the fair. As a Philadelphia native, Aikens was eager to present the Gross Clinic at the Centennial, for nationally renowned Dr. Gross also hailed from the city of brotherly love and taught at nearby Jefferson Medical College. This was Aikens' opportunity to not only honor Dr. Gross and his accomplishments to the medical field at large, but also to express pride in the city he called home. And it didn't hurt that the work of art could be a virtuoso scene that would show Aiken's skill at portraiture, anatomy, and dramatic genre scenes, all while doing so on a monumental scale of more than seven feet high and more than six feet across. The Gross Clinic, his new masterpiece, seemed ready-made for the fair, and full of hope and pride, he presented it to the committee for selection at the Centennial. You can probably imagine what happened next. And that's coming right up after this break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. 2020 was full of unique challenges that made us change our whole way of life. But with each challenge, we learned to survive, thrive, and strive to be better. 
Now, we don't know what 2021 will bring, but with The Great Courses Plus, we can make this our year by continuing to learn with purpose. Because when we learn with purpose, we can do better and be better. With The Great Courses Plus, the opportunities to learn are endless. You get unlimited access to stream thousands of video and audio courses from top experts in their fields, like how to build a better financial plan, how to control stress and actually make it work for you, how to live sustainably to support a more regenerative world, or even how to play guitar like a pro. I've been enjoying the course 30 Masterpieces from the Ancient World. I loved learning about these thousands of years before the existence of modern masters like Monet or Picasso. Before they put brush to canvas, there were these artists from all over the ancient world creating a trove of masterpieces. So whether you want to take a deep dive into a subject like ancient art or learn a little bit of everything, The Great Courses Plus has something for everyone. Plus, you can download The Great Courses Plus app to watch or listen to a lecture on any device, anytime, and anywhere. What is your purpose this year? What new things will you learn? Sign up for The Great Courses Plus and find out. Visit my special URL to get 14 days free trial with unlimited access. That's at thegreatcoursesplus.com art. You don't want to pass this up. So go now to thegreatcoursesplus.com art. How much money are you paying in interest on your credit cards every month? Too much? Then why not consolidate your credit cards into just one payment at a lower fixed rate and start saving money? It's easy with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at just 5.95% APR with AutoPay and excellent credit, which is much lower than the national average interest rate on credit cards, typically over 18% APR. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. And you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. So just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash artcurious. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash artcurious. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95 APR to 19.99% APR and include 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash artcurious for more information. Welcome back to Art Curious. Due primarily to its subject matter, the Centennial Committee decided against showing the Gross Clinic at the Centennial's art exhibition, and its rejection was a serious blow to Thomas Aikens but he was bound and determined to have the work seen anywhere that it could be, and so he scrambled for an exhibition space. For a year and a half throughout the long run of the fair, it hung in a room designated for holding medical supplies, and it was seen by few and actually appreciated by fewer. Still, one art critic gave the artist high praise and felt that it was unfortunate that the painting had been relegated to a mere wall in a hospital wing, writing, quote, There is nothing so fine in the American section of the art department of the exhibition, and it is with great pity that the squeamishness of the selection committee compelled the artist to find a place in the United States Hospital Building, unquote. The same critic noted with disdain that even the American art that had been accepted by the centennial was scarcely discussed in the press. Art just wasn't the big deal at the fair. And what a disappointment and a lack of foresight of our young country that they didn't consider it more integral. After nearly two years of languishing behind scalpels and retractors at the Army Hospital, 
the Gross Clinic was acquired by the Jefferson Medical College, which makes perfect sense, since Dr. Gross himself both attended the college and sat as the co-chair of the Department of Surgery there. For the realistic rendition of their nationally famed and locally loved doctor, the school was grateful. And thus, they were willing to work with Thomas Aikens to have the work seen and shown elsewhere. So in 1879, Aikens borrowed the painting back and exhibited it at the Kurtz Gallery in New York, with hopes that the passage of four years and in an entirely different city, both the artist and his hometown would finally begin to attract the attention of the press. And that it did, almost immediately. The phrases decidedly unpleasant, wholly hostile, and dreadful were just a few of the scathing words used to describe Aiken's work. Like the exhibition committee of the Centennial a few years prior, these new viewers were appalled and horrified by the sight of fresh blood oozing onto the surgeon's hands. And I have never been so grateful for the invention of latex gloves as I am when I am viewing this work, by the by. They were disgusted by the cold metal tools prying open what an author from the New York Tribune described as a, quote, long and shapeless lump of flesh, unquote. It wasn't all bad, of course. Aikens is a skilled portraitist, and the detail of each and every figure, even the less visible or the blurred students in the operating theater, is bonkers good. Dr. Gross was a real-life person, and he looks it. The observational skills and preparations needed to make this work come to fruition were stunning, and the art critics, at the very least, were laudatory in this case. But there was something besides the blood that they didn't like at all the artist's decision to include the patient's mother in the scene. First of all, critics noted that in an otherwise scientifically realistic scene, the inclusion of a mother watching her son's surgery so closely would not only be unrealistic, but it would be outright cruel. Similarly, her disgust, many reviewers felt, needed not be part of an already gruesome scene. I can't say for sure if the patient's mother really was in the operating theater when Aikens witnessed and sketched the scene, but she probably wasn't. So did Aikens need to include her just to ratchet up the drama? I guess. But it's not like it needed it. Even the depiction of the patient's bare thigh, let alone the blood, was deemed a step too far, with some calling it improper for an artist to portray the body as explicitly uncovered, laid bare, laid open, literally. To this, I've got to say, well, okay, but how else would you expect someone to undergo a surgery? Whatever, I'm not a doctor. Suffice to say, People didn't like what was being presented to them. Even the New York Times got in on the action, critiquing Aikens by noting, quote, This violent and bloody scene shows at the time that it was painted, if not now, that the artist has no conception of where to stop, or how to hint a horrible thing if it must be said, or what the limits are between beauty of the nude and the indecency of the naked, unquote. Thomas Aikens had hoped to show the painting in New York City, a town seen as more cultured and advanced as far as art acceptance was concerned. But he found as little support there as he did back home in Philadelphia. To paint such a ghastly scene and dare call it art was seen as a ludicrous claim, and in both locations, Aiken's reputation was growing more and more tarnished with every negative review. All this negativity, though, does make me wonder if it all even ever really mattered. Two axioms come to mind when I think of this work. The first is that old news adage, if it bleeds, it leads, meaning that the more terrible or violent a crime or subject matter, the more attention will be spent on it in the press. The second is that no publicity is bad publicity, 
So even if Aiken's work wasn't getting love left and right from the general public or the art critics, it was, at the very least, being discussed, and obviously discussed heavily. And if they're talking about you, that means you're making an impact. Certainly, I don't think that Thomas Aikens painted the gross clinic as an attention grab, upping the gore factor simply to get tongues wagging. But it's nevertheless a reminder that all of these shocking works of art that we're talking about this season and last season on the Art Curious podcast, there's a reason that we're still talking about them. They got attention, good or bad, and a lot of times they got it for this shock value. And that still means something, even today when any number of cable TV shows or video games featuring far more violence and blood seem to have far less of an impact. The Gross Clinic might not look like a big deal from our current perspective, but that's one of the things that's so interesting about it. To see how far we've come, how times have changed, how a single painting can no longer necessarily disgust or horrify. Stay with us. If you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you are wasting your time. Hire great people faster with Indeed. Only pay for results and get back time into your schedule. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their databases to help you search for great candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need faster, the meeting and the hiring of great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility so you can deliver a quality shortlist faster. And with Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash art. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash art. Indeed.com slash art. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When the cold weather keeps us inside, one of my favorite things to mentally escape is to curl up on the couch and get lost in a show. And nothing feels more transportive when I'm stuck indoors than watching brilliant TV from across the pond. I love shows from different countries because they are richer, more compelling, and broader in terms of their scope and interests. That's why I have Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television. It has a rich catalog of exclusive, award-winning series across genres, including mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production to performances, the series you'll find on Acorn TV are exceptional because they're cleverly written, visually striking, and feature renowned actors like David Tennant and Thandie Newton. If you're a fan of quirky British comedy like me, then The Other One is a must-watch. It follows two sisters from very different worlds who had no idea the other existed until their father drops dead. And for you Downton Abbey fans out there, The Other One features a hilarious performance from beloved Siobhan Finneran. Plus, you get thousands of hours of new, refreshing content on Acorn TV for just a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. 
I watch Acorn TV not only on my iPad and sometimes on my phone, but also on my Roku as well. So I love the opportunity to stream whenever and wherever I am. Escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. Try Acorn TV for 30 days for free by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code ARTCURIOUS. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV, code ARTCURIOUS, to get your first 30 days for free. Welcome back to Art Curious. After living its life at the Jefferson Medical College until 2006, the Gross Clinic is now a part of the Philadelphia Museum of Art's permanent collection, along with Aiken's studies of Dr. Gross and Dr. Barton's heads and other preliminary sketches made for the final work, all which provide really nice context to the development of the final piece itself. Although the value of this work has been fully realized by modern-day historians, its controversial past is truly what makes it all the more compelling. It is remarkable to think that a painting that was once too unbearable for the public is now called, by many, the greatest American painting of all time. Thank you for listening to this Curious Callback episode of the Art Curious Podcast. This episode was written, produced, and narrated by me, Jennifer Dassel, with additional writing and research help by Adria Gunter. Our theme music is by Alex Davis at alexdavismusic.com. Our logo is by Dave Rainey at daverainydesign.com. And social media help is by Emily Crockett and Sammy T. Our production and editorial services are provided by Kabunki. Video. Content. Ideas. Learn more at kabonki.com. Additional editing help is by Hannah Roberts. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored primarily by AnchorLight. AnchorLight is a creative space founded with the intent of fostering artists, designers, and craftspeople at varying stages of their development. Home to artist studios, residency opportunities, and exhibition space, AnchorLight encourages mentorship and the cross-pollination of skills among creatives in the triangle. For more information, please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. The Art Curious Podcast is also fiscally sponsored by VAE Raleigh, a 501c3 nonprofit creativity incubator. For more details on our show, including the image mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website, artcuriouspodcast.com. You can also find details there on how to hire me for an event at your university, art center, or elsewhere. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ArtCuriousPod. Please note that we will be shutting down our Facebook page very soon. We will be back with you in one month with another curious callback to explore the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in these shocking works of art history. <laughs>